The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. Welcome to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCoon. I serve as pastor of Zion Church. We're a congregation of believers who trust in the simple message of God's sovereign grace, where families come together to worship God in spirit and in truth through the simplicity of preaching, praying, and singing. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. If you live in the Gordo area or if you are visiting in the area, please join us for worship. We meet every Sunday at 1030 a.m. and 5 p.m., and on the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. Today's message is the first half of a wonderful sermon preached by Elder Luke Hagler entitled, A Long Eight Days. In this first half of the sermon, Brother Luke lays the foundation by reminding us how time can fly when you're having fun and experiencing joy, and how it can drag when you're down and out and in despair. By the end of this portion of the sermon, we'll begin to see a man named Thomas who wasn't present when the Lord appeared to the disciples the first time and who had a long eight days of unbelief until the Lord appeared to him when he was with them again. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
If I titled this sermon, I would title it A Long Eight Days. A Long Eight Days. And, you know, time is, you know, time, is time. I heard, I think it was Brother Craig Blair say one time that uh, time is the most consistent thing that we have in our life, yet it so frequently sneaks up on us, right? Um, but time is a funny thing. And, you know, the old saying uh, about time flies when you're having fun, you know, a minute is a minute is a minute. You know, 60 seconds never changes. Uh, but sometimes 60 seconds seems like an eternity, and sometimes 60 seconds seems uh, just like half a second, you know, and it's all uh, based on uh, our state of mind, you know, what we're thinking about, what we're experiencing, and uh, for the times that uh, those, those minutes really, really drag, uh, you know, you're probably in some sort of turmoil or you're in some sort of despair or bored out of your mind, unpleasant emotions, right? But when time is flying, uh, you're usually in pretty good spirits, right? So I would title this A Long Eight Days. Um, I think about one time when uh, right after we first got married, Tiffany and I first got married, she was working as an accountant, and she had to travel at, uh, at times to go audit, you know, all across the uh, United States. And uh, one of the first trips, shortly after we got married, she was gone for 13 days. And boy, that you talking about time dragging, you know, and it was just, it was awful. You know, it was just, it was not a pleasant experience for me. So keep those thoughts in mind about how time and your frame of mind affects how you perceive time. And speaking of time, you know, if you could, I've always been fascinated with uh, time travel movies. You know, I realize time travel is not real unless you're the Lord. Uh, but time travel movies is all, have always been interesting and fascinating to me. And I, sometimes I think if you could travel back in time, uh, you know, where would you go? What would you want to see? And, and you think, obviously, from a biblical perspective, uh, the accounts that you could go back in the Bible and actually watch play out would be just incredible. It would be life-changing to be able to do that, you know, to, uh, you know to, to time travel back and just be hiding in the bushes watching Abraham as he lifted the knife up and be looking over here at the ram, you know, just to watch that scene play out. Or, uh, you know, I think it would have been interesting and fascinating to watch, um, to watch Noah and his family when the rains got a little harder and a little harder and a little harder, just to watch them, to hear their conversations, and to, to see people just like us with fallen, corrupt natures who probably thought a lot like we think, just to watch them navigate through some fascinating times, right? It would be interesting to do that. But I think, I really think from creation up until now, the, uh, I guess I would say the most impactful period of time that I can think of would be the actual time when the, when the Lord had taken on flesh and was actually ministering and doing His work. You know, this, this three or three and a half years where He is actually among the people, you know, I mean, there was a time when He was 16, 17, 18, and those times, I would have loved to have watched Him during those times. But when He was actually beginning to uh, you know, as he would say, you know, he kept saying, my hour has not yet come. But as he, began, as he began to reveal himself, all right, when he turned the water into wine, he was beginning to reveal himself. All right, you can't hide that kind of stuff, right? And 
to watch, most, most specifically, to watch the people that were around him on a regular basis and watched how his, um, his existence and, and his, um, his presence in their life and how it affected them and how it affected the conversations that they had and how it affected um, you know, the, the way that they thought. I would have loved to have watched that. Now, we've got some, some accounts in the Bible where we're able to understand some of what went on, but just to see the faces of the people when the lame would get up and walk. You know, I would want to watch that and, and see that because, um, you know, there, you know we, get, we get real excited about, you know, really silly stuff. I hope this is something you really love, but, you know, if it is, that's great, but I just think it's kind of silly. Do you remember, and it may still be there, I hadn't been there in a long time, but do you remember in Northport at the McDonald's in Northport that Ronald Reagan came to that McDonald's and sat down in a seat at a certain table? And I guess when he was passing through, and we, man, you could go sit in the seat that Ronald Reagan sat in at McDonald's. I remember, if I remember correctly, it had like a little plaque in the table. I don't know, maybe it's still there, I don't know. And you sit in that seat, and you're just kind of like, I'm sitting in the seat where the president sat. You know, and I'm kind of like, well, big whoop. You know, I mean, is that a big deal? You know? The one that really gets me is autographs. You know, man, look, I got somebody's autograph. All right, you got somebody's name on a piece of paper. Is that a big deal? You know, but, but what it, what's important about that? It's just to say, man, I was in his presence. That's what, that's what makes an autograph special most of the time. So, man, I went so and so and I was in the presence of whoever signed this thing. That's what an autograph really is about. They don't mean anything to me, but I understand the concept of it. Listen, autographs and Ronald Reagan's seat are here. But walking in the presence of God manifest in the flesh and the impact that had is they're not even comparable, Amen. right? Amen. And so I think, about, I think about that and how that must have affected them the first time they saw the lame walk. How about the first time they saw somebody come back from the dead? How about the time you're standing there and you see the man wrapped in grave clothes who stunk because his body was rotting? walk out of that tomb. You talking about an impact on you? Now think about that today. We're, we're turning cartwheels over Ronald Reagan. We're turning cartwheels over this and we get excited because we saw somebody that's kind of halfway famous. Those are nothing. Amen. That is nothing compared to this three and a half years that Jesus walked among the people and did these mighty works. Amen. Are you with me? Now, <clears throat> I would imagine that my mind for that period of time would have just been just spinning like a top, trying to make sense of these things. You know, uh, I'm, 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 if I'm Peter, I'm, I'm fishing one day, and the next day I have left everything to follow this man, all right? And I watched this man do things for three, three and a half years that defy the laws of nature that uh, where we got people walking on water. We got him standing there speaking and calming the winds and the waves. 
We've got him spitting in the dirt, rubbing, thing, rubbing it in on the mud on a man's eyes, and his sight comes back. We've got him speaking to people who have been so possessed with devils, the whole town's afraid of them, and he just speaks to them. And they are sitting, and they're still, and they're in their right mind. We've got him um, putting his hands on people's ears that are deaf, and speaking, and all of a sudden they can hear. I mean, it's, it's one on top of another. It's powerful. And as this journey goes on, what started as a uh, water turning into wine, this is unbelievable. We are overcome with just the glory of God and the excitement about the Son of God who is here. That story turns into chaos, chaotic times, troubling times, where this man who several of the disciples said, I'll go to, you know, I will take the sword for you. I'll go to death with you. They won't touch you before they've touched me. And it goes up to the point that now this man who is so dearly loved by so many now has been arrested. And they're watching him have the flesh torn off of his body. All right, just that, just stop the story right there. And go home in your mind, and you're sitting at your house, and your kids are around maybe, your wife or husband is around, and you're beginning to talk about these things in conversation. See, all these things that the Lord did, they had to be conversations in the homes of the people who adored Him. And can you imagine what they talked about? Can you imagine when the man came home just broken and said, I, 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 I couldn't believe my eyes? I could not believe I saw this man's flesh being torn off of his body. And he talks to his wife, and his wife's crying, and she's, she's trying to make sense of what he said. Yeah, they took him. They took him now. He's out in the temple courts, and they're just beating the dog out of him. And they wondered, I wondered why he didn't call on the angels. I, I don't understand. If you can make Lazarus come out of the grave, and you can do all this, how is this happening? Don't you have some sort of power? Or are, have you lost your power? Or have, is, have I misunderstood? And so they take him and they nail him to the cross and he dies. And they take him and they put him in the tomb and they roll the stone over the tomb. Now, if you have walked with the Lord for three and a half years, and you have seen all the things that he has done, which are way more than are written in this book. And you've seen him suffer, and you've seen him die, and you've seen him laid in the tomb. What? You're talking about somebody that needs a psychiatrist. I mean, really. You're talking about messing up your head. You, people talk about you know, PTSD and, and the, and the struggle. I've got a, a buddy of mine that suffers from it, and I know that stuff is real. Events that are so traumatic, they just change the way you think and process things. You're talking about PTSD. I'm a, listen, folks, I'm a fisherman, and I know about catching fish. And three and a half years later, all the events that transpire, Peter is not the same Peter here as he was here. It affected him. It affected all of them, right? Now, do you know, even though the Lord has said many times in the Bible, three days, 
Three days, they're going to take me, I'm going to die at the hands of wicked men, they're going to crucify me, they're going to lay me in the tomb three days. Three days later, I'm coming out. Do you know there is not one single account in the Bible of somebody eagerly awaiting the end of that three days? Not one. You talk, I'm telling you, you talk about messing with your minds. Not one single account. Nobody that we have a record of walking around be like, hey, Peter, chin up. Three days. We got two more left. <laughs> Nobody. It is, a, it is one of the most chaotic, confusing times in history. And it's interesting. You kind of compare that to his birth. Do you know there were people anticipating his birth, right? right. There were people anticipating him being born, even though the prophecies were long ago, way more than three days. Way more than three days. Do you know there was a man named Simeon that was in the temple and he was waiting on the Lord and said, look, the, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that I'm not going to die until I've seen the Lord's Christ. All right, well, he probably looked in the mirror and saw, eh, gray, can't be long. It can't be long because I'm not going to live a whole lot longer. It can't be a long time. He was anticipating the birth of Christ because the prophecies for hundreds of years had foretold it. But not one person could wait three days with anticipation that God was going to, uh, that the Lord Jesus Christ was going to come out of that grave. Right? Listen, and here's, here's one take home. If you don't think the devil cannot blind you with despair and discouragement, you are wrong. Amen. Here are the men and women who were the closest to the Lord, blinded by despair and discouragement. Those are not little tiny instruments of the devil. They're powerful. All right? You better not let them get their claws in you. So, for three days he lays in the tomb. Chaos, uncertainties, uh, turmoil, confusion, heartache. You know Peter was heartbroken, right? His last encounter was the Lord, was the Lord looking at him saying, I told you so. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. That's his last exchange with the Lord. The, the, the man that he said, no, nah, they won't take you. They'll have to take me before they take you. You know, that's like, the, like the, the big brother says, he's got to go through me to get to you. That's the last encounter he has with the Lord. And so for three days, if you read about the events of the, of the resurrection, because that's what this is really about. Listen, folks, grace is awesome. But without the resurrection, it's nothing. Do you understand? Without the resurrection, none of this really means a whole lot. And so if, if the story went uh, of this wonderful virgin birth and the, the ministry he did and, and, and his, his sacrifice on the cross, and that's where it stopped, it really is hollow. It's all about the resurrection. The resurrection is what puts is what validates and, give, and gives credibility to the whole story of Christ. Amen. All right? So here we are at the moment of the resurrection. Nobody's waiting on it. Nobody's, you know, counting the days and looking at the clock, marking the X's off the calendars. They're trying to figure out how can we go back to normal life? How do I, you know, even Peter, he, he, at one point he says, I, I, I go fishing. You know, I, I guess I'll go back to my nets. I don't know what to do. And so they are so confused in their minds 
that even when Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb, all right, Mary Magdalene goes to the tomb and it says that, you know, it talks about her standing outside of the tomb and she's weeping and she's crying. And she looks up in John 20, 12, it says, And seeth two angels in, in white sitting, the one at the head, the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. All right, do you, do you see the problem? Do you see the PTSD? Do you see the confusion? Do you see the unbelief? What was her conclusion? Even though he had said time and time again, I'm coming out of that grave in three days, she goes to the grave on the third day and the stone is rolled away and there's people in white sitting there and she says, where have you taken his body? Where have you taken him and put him? Where have you taken him? And have you moved him? Do I need to go take my flowers to a different grave now? And she says, Lord, I know not where they have laid him. And when she had said thus, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, I've always threatened I'm going to preach a sermon one day, and she supposed he was the gardener. Boy, there's a lot in that right there. You think Jesus is just a gardener? Do you, do you fail to see sometimes when you're in the presence of God? And just say, well, that's just the gardener. She supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him. See, she thinks he's still dead. And I will take him away. And I love this part right here. And all he does is call her name. He just says, Mary. And by the time those sound waves resonated off her eardrums and went into her brain in that millisecond that that happens, she came to, some, uh, to embrace some incredible truth. And she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Something happened right there with Mary, right? Her unbelief died. All right? Her unbelief died. And that's important. Despair and discouragement will kill you, and it'll sure keep you from seeing the blessings of God, but unbelief is, 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 is just as powerful, if not more. So, oh, I'm a child of God, you know, born by the soul work of the Holy... Yeah, but you can still live in unbelief. Amen. Right. And they did it time and time again. I think I told you this morning that the Lord upbraided them for their unbelief. Right. The very men that walked with Him and saw Him and, and held Him, and, and they, they, un, they were unbelieving at times. Mary should have been sitting there looking at her watch saying, it's the third day, all right, stone's gone, He's up, let's go find Him. But she didn't. It gets worse. It gets worse. So Mary, Mary goes to the disciples and tells them about it. And what does the Bible say? It's, it seemed to them like what? Idle tales. It's make-believe, Mary. Mary, you are so grief-stricken, you're talking out of your head. You're crazy. Somebody get her a hot towel and tell her to go lay down. Look, they're, they're just like us, folks. That's, right. That's what we would do. Amen. She's not thinking right. God, Mary, what is it when, uh, when Peter escapes from, from uh, when the Lord delivers him from prison and he goes and knocks on the door? The girl goes to the door and she says, who is it? And he says, it's Peter. And she's like, he's, and they were in there praying for Peter's deliverance. And she goes back and tells Peter's at the door. And they're like, you're crazy. 
crazy? Peter's not at the door. Same thing. Same corrupt, deceitful heart we've got. That's what we would be doing. She goes back and tells the, the disciples. And they don't believe her. They don't believe her. Now, let me get going here. The same day that Mary comes and tells him those things, it says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Read the other Gospels where they didn't believe her. But the very same day that they've got that information, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst of, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had said so, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. All right? His, his, his promise wasn't enough. You understand? His promise was not enough. And so, then were his disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. Now, let's get to the nitty gritty. There was one guy who wasn't there. Now, he may have been doing something valiant and honorable, but he wasn't there, and his name was called Thomas. Thomas, one of the twelve called Didymus, Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. Get it? Mary, I've seen him. I've talked to him. I've got, all right, we got what? We've got countless prophecies. We've got, by his own admission, multiple times, it was going to take three days. We've got Mary Magdalene coming and saying, I saw him, I talked to him. We've got these disciples saying, he came in, not through the door, he just appeared, and he talked to us, we've seen him. And this is what Thomas says. Now, let's don't beat Thomas up too bad, too quick. Because listen, I'm Thomas. I can promise you right now, I know me, I know my personality, and this is where I would fall. And Thomas says, even though we've got all these things, Thomas says, except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, he kind of, it's almost like he's aggravated and he progresses. Unless I see... The scars in his hands, unless I put my finger in the scars, of, unless I put my, see him, put my finger in his, the, the wounds in his hands and thrust my hand into his side. He says this, I will not believe. Wow, I sure hate to stop the sermon right here just as Brother Luke is getting wound up. But due to the constraints of time, we have to stop here for today. But this sermon is so important for us to hear as children of God. We can live victorious lives trusting in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, or we can walk around in unbelief, even as children of God, and experience nothing but misery and despair. We're going to see that Thomas experienced a long eight days, walking around not believing that Jesus had risen from the grave. No doubt the other disciples' experience was much different. They had the experience of knowing and trusting that he had done what he said he would do, 
Please join us tomorrow as we finish this sermon, and you'll see the rich truth that living in belief will bring joy to your life and make time fly. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com. That's the letter J. C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.